Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. And welcome to week 26, count it, week 26 of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is Andrew Gifford. As always, he goes by Giffy, and it's yours truly, Mark Loisel Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. Now, Giff, uh, before we get started in the NBA discussion, because we have a lot to talk about, I know there's definitely something that you want to get off your chat. Well, yeah, so... um Obviously, uh, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Watched the game yesterday. Um, decent game. Um, sloppy. Uh, sloppy, but kind of like sloppy for both sides. So, if you didn't see the game yesterday, um, goes to overtime. Um, Packers are down three with about a minute 30 left, and Aaron Rodgers pulls one of those 41-yard bombs down the center of the field to um, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling. Makes a hell of a throw. Um, MVS makes the catch. They go down, they score a field goal to tie it. And then Packers get the ball in overtime. Uh, MVS fumbles, unfortunately. And then basically the Colts take the ball and they go on and win the game in overtime. So after the game, um, he came out and he was talking to the media and he said that he was getting death threats. Now, this this is death threats. Um, now, first off, kind of the underling sneaky thing about this how does he already know that he has death threats number one because this is right after the game so unless he literally hopped on his twitter right after the game like if you fumble maybe don't go on social media for eight days that's that's just my my overall suggestion on that but nonetheless anybody who wants to send a death threat via twitter like don't be my friend. Just legitimately, like, because, like, look, I understand that football, football is obviously an escape, right, for all of us, especially, you know, given given 2020 and given everything else. However, what this year has hopefully taught everybody, and apparently it hasn't taught this to every single person on earth, is that um, football, it, like, life is, can be impacted at the drop of a hat given that we've been under semi-lockdown since February, March. So use it as an outlet. Use it as fun. Be happy and be appreciative that football's back on. But if you want to go and threaten death and murder against somebody who fumbles a football, like, just get a grip, go to hell, do whatever, don't be my friend. Like, legitimately get a life. Is basically what I'm saying at this point. So 
And I, do everything that's negative. Do do everything that is going to basically keep you away from society and um, you shouldn't be able to procreate anymore. I'm going to go out and say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you do a death threat on Twitter because a professional football player fumbled a football, you should be neutered and you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be able to procreate. I feel bad for MVS because he's been battling um, a lot of confidence issues over the past like two or three weeks. He's super hard on himself. He's had some big drops. You know, Aaron Rodgers has been able to, you know, uh, to continuously go back to him. Um, and he got him, hey, he got him to over, but, you know, he did lose in the game. But just the overall point is life is much bigger than a football game. Please be smart. Please, literally just please stop yourself from procreating if you want to do a death threat on Twitter. Gif, also, you know, before we get started, I will talk about too is MVS has gotten not only death threats because, you know, of that one play, but they're always like DMing him on Twitter and asking him, hey, like, are you playing tonight? Or if you're not, can I put somebody in for fantasy purposes? So it's always that kind of caution when it comes to, you know, him um, from, you know, depression, anxiety standpoint. Yeah, man. As a, as a professional athlete, I would say the number one thing is you get somebody that can be your social media coordinator where they can handle the social networking. They can delete all the threats. They can delete everything. So you don't have to see it. Yeah, that's a good point. That That's something that's, you know, a young athlete should get right away because, you know, expectations are so high on them that sometimes they don't live up to it and then they don't live up to the hype and then it comes and backfires them and they get death threats. That's just... It's the way it goes. So if I'm any young athlete, go out and get a social media coordinator. Yeah, it's a good move. And and just, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, obviously, 2020 hasn't been good for, for a lot of people. But, like, there's no excuse. There is no excuse to threaten somebody else's life. By the way, that you would never say to their face, number one, because that professional athlete would pound you into the ground. But, um... Yeah, it's just a cowardly thing to do. Go go do something that allows you, you know, do something stupid enough to where you can't procreate anymore. I would more think if you would have not fumbled in the Packers would have won the game at VS. So dumb. So dumb. But anyway, I just want to say that because I think it needed to be said because it's silly and uh, and really dumb. And like you said, it's a week of Thanksgiving. Everybody be happy with what you have because we're under, you know, pandemic circumstances. And everybody just be happy that sports are back on. Don't be dumb about it. And as always, guys, you can always tune in using your Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and Spotify app. Thank you for writing reviews and ranking our podcast. I saw it on Apple Podcasts, and I definitely appreciate it, and along with GIF as well. And always, you can check us out on Twitter at SSR2019 underscore. And everyone knows uh, GIF's personal one. I don't have to go through his phone number. Um, but as always, you can continue to look us up on Facebook, Shark Sport, Shark Sports Radio, like our page, and we always appreciate the feedback. So, GIF, the start of the NBA offseason did not disappoint, and that's from the draft to the offseason to trades to free agency. It sort of lived up to the hype. So, for the next hour or so, we will be dissecting the latest movement. So let's just get right into it, Giff. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of trades, a lot of free agency signings. I guess in your eyes, um, what was the biggest, like, player being moved uh, that you were shocked about? Uh, big player being moved. Um, 
I'm actually going to go on the opposite side of uh, opposite side of that shark, and I'm actually going to say that I would say that James Harden hasn't been moved yet. And the only reason why I say that is because it seems like nowadays, um, and specifically started by the Anthony Davis basically shooting his way out of Dodge um, from New Orleans to the Lakers, is that typically when a star player wants to be moved, um, it happens. Now, I don't know if um, Daryl... Leave Daryl Morey leaving the the Rockets and the and the incoming GM there basically you know wants to put it out on the table and 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 play hardball with James Harden. I'm not sure if he wants to do that. Now I understand his position, saying that I think his quote was something to the magnitude of, "Hey, we'll make it. We'll let it get uncomfortable if it has to, but it has to be basically a Godfather other Godfather offer for Harden to get traded." But I'm actually surprised he wasn't traded. And I'm glad, I'm actually kind of glad that he wasn't traded because at least there's some semblance of not, superstar players not getting their way and not being able to shoot their way out of dodge. I mean, we've seen it over and over again. We saw it with Anthony Davis. We sh- we saw it with Kyrie Irving. Um, we saw it with, with, not that he shot himself out of dodge, but, you know, Russ was basically like, I want to go win. And OKC was like, oh, great. You know, let's let's get this you know, eventual $40 million a year salary off of our books. Um, but typically when a star player wants to leave, he goes. But I'm kind of glad that, you know, Houston um, has really stuck to their guns and just didn't give them away because I think there has to be semblance of it has to make sense for both parties. And just because you're a star player, you don't, you know, you don't have the, the right to shoot your way out of Dodge. Yeah, and I totally agree, Gif. And people forget, a lot of reporters, a lot of beat writers, there's always a two-way street. It's never just a one-way. So regardless of the player wanting out, the GM, the ownership, they have to at least get compensated fairly in order to live up to that trade. So if I'm James Harden, okay, and I'm barking at Brooklyn saying, trade all your pieces, trade Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, you know, Allen, um, you know, trade your first round picks and try to get me. Well, that's fine, fine and dandy, but it comes down to the GM of the Houston Rockets. He makes that call, whether he wants to trade you or not, he's still going to give you that paycheck. He's still going to give you that paycheck that you want. And also there was something, uh, you know, antidote to that is the Houston Rockets offer. I think it was two years, I think a hundred and, it was $110 million, and he said, nah, nah, like, get out of my face, kind of, nah. And I don't know why it's blown up to this point. I don't know if he wants, like, a change of scenery, if he wants, like, to contend in the East because it might be easier in the East than the West. Whatever it is, ultimately, you still got to go out and play James Harden, along with Russell Westbrook. And to Russell Westbrook's standpoint, I think Washington is a team that, wanted him for John Wall, but ultimately the ownership and GM came out and said that they're not willing to part ways with John Wall just yet. And I, I obviously, again, there's two ways to the street. So if John Wall wants out, well, the GM's got to also put in his effort and make that trade happen. So um, I just want to make sure that people understand that free agency and trades they have to. They ultimately have to come to a compromise, and that is why I want to get to the Celtics gap, because the Celtics and Gordon Hayward talks. 
people are like, oh, why didn't Gordon Hayward get traded to the you know, Indiana Pacers for four years, $100 million? I'll tell you why. It's because he saw the offer from Charlotte. Charlotte's given him four years, $120 million. $120 million. Who's going to say no to that? If you're in Gordon Hayward's shoes, coming off an injury, age 30, wouldn't you want to take that and just walk away? Obviously, again, Miles Turner was not something Danny Ainge wanted. Not something he wanted at all. So if Indiana is offering Gordon Hayward and you're not getting anything in return that you feel is compensational, well, I guess your ability is to walk away if you want to do that. But wait, I thought I heard that it was it was uh, Oipo and Turner, or was it one or the other but not both? One or the other or not both. He ultimately wanted Warren, sorry, TJ Warren or Oladipo and Miles Turner. And Miles Turner. Um, gosh, so but basically Indiana was like, was Anna that flew or was it Danny when, you know, was it difficult? Like, how did, like, why did it fall through? And, and that's what it comes down to, Giff, is nobody knows that answer, but you got to look at the reason for it. It's because Indiana wasn't willing to give up that. They, they don't want Gordon Hayward for four years, $100 million, $120 million. They were offering four years, $100 million. But ultimately, Danny Ainge looked at it and said, you know what? I don't want Miles Turner. And the reason why I didn't want Miles Turner is it showed up. He wanted Tristan Thompson. And I, I guarantee that was plan B. But ultimately, he wanted Victor Oladipo or TJ Warren a part of that trade. And he wasn't getting it. So, there, again, going back to it, Kev, there's always two ways to the street to to come to a compromise. Yeah, no, for sure. And I and <clears throat> you know I kind of copped out of the question a little bit, so I I'll um I'll actually like who you were surprised when traded. I'm like I'm actually surprised that Harden didn't get traded. I, I think as far as a move for me that caught me by surprise a little bit um, was I'm actually surprised that Chris Paul got traded so quick. Because I think, especially in the next couple of years, I think his next two years are in the 40s. So at least 40 and I think maybe 42 or 43 million. So the fact that he was one of the first guys traded to me is a little surprising only because of salary. Now, if you're the Phoenix Suns when you have a bunch of young guys on your team, um, now they did have some cap room. And we'll get into the free agents in a little bit. But the fact that they get Chris Paul, the fact that they get crowd, the fact that... Um, they now I'm trying to think, and we'll get into the graphics and stuff. But honestly, like th- those two guys with Devin Booker, um, that's not bad. Now listen, you're in the West, it's stacked, okay. And and basically, from what I could tell, for all of the moves, uh, free agency was basically just a continued arms race for the Lakers and the Clippers in the West. I mean, it was clearly that. Um, so, but. Phoenix might make the playoffs. Sure. Why not? With that team. Um, I think some West teams took some steps back. Um, I think San Antonio. Yeah. I mean, well, OKC seems like they're, they're looking to reload and, and they're looking to get all those contracts off their plate, which is fine. But I think the Spurs weren't active. Um, you know, Utah. Well, I think they're going to be patient. I think they didn't want to splash. They're typically not a splashy type team. They're usually more of a draft and develop type of squad. Um, but, you know, I think in my eyes, I think Utah took a step back. I think the Spurs took a step back. I think 
I don't think Denver got better. I don't think Denver got worse, but I think they stayed stagnant, which especially when you're trying to compete with the Lakers and the Clippers, isn't necessarily the place where you want to be. Um, I heard Drew Holiday, to, Drew Holiday to them, and I thought that was going to be fantastic. But Milwaukee, you know, decided to to, to go for it. Um, so I think for me, it's Chris Paul because he was one of the first guys traded, just because of the salary that he brings to the table. And I will, I will say the Phoenix Suns and the Oklahoma City Thunder can switch positions because I, I think that's what's ultimately going to happen. I think Phoenix Suns could be top five, top six, and ultimately you look at Jeremy Grant going away from the Nuggets is massive because he was the guy that came off the bench and gave them what they wanted. And they're going to have to ask for Gary Harris to step up. You know, Beasley possibly comes back and he has to step up. So I just don't, I agree with you. I think Jeremy Grant did a lot for that team. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for exactly what he did bench production wise coming off the bench. To San Antonio's point, I thought San Antonio was going to unload. Like, I thought DeMar DeRozan was going to be out, LaMarcus Aldridge. I thought they were going to look around and see if there's any suitors for these type of guys to get compensated for it. Because at this point in their career, they're they kind of, they're in flux, right? I mean, they're 31, 32. I think LaMarcus Aldridge is about to be 34. So I just, I, I can't imagine DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge being happy on a team that could finish 6th or 7th in the West. Yeah, but to make that point, though, like, look at both of their games. LaMarcus Aldridge is a center that doesn't really play like a center. He's a center that plays more of a finesse-style power forward, likes to go from 16 to 18 feet in, um, and isn't really a bruising, rebounding guy. You look at DeMar DeRozan. He's not really a three-point threat. He's a good defensive guy, but what's the catchphrase and what are the things that people are looking for they're looking for three and d or they're looking for substantial big rebounders both of those guys are throwback players both of those guys are throwback players to the mid to late 90s um and or just Aldridge himself is like he i think he's throwback in the sense of he's a skilled big guy but He's not skilled. He's not super into the three-pointer, and he's not super into rebounding. So he's kind of a five that plays like a three. You're really not going to get a lot of, I don't think anyway, you're not really going to get a lot of interest on the trade block because those guys aren't the in type of player. So I think that that probably could have been a little bit of a challenge to try and move those guys because they still make quite a bit of money, but they're not really fits for a lot of other teams. I feel like that's a hard sell. Well, let me ask you this. It, there was a rumor out there, Kyle Kuzma for DeMar DeRozan. And I, I honestly think San Antonio might have to give a little bit more because I don't think the Lakers are willing to give up Kyle Kuzma for DeMar DeRozan. I don't think DeRozan fits for the Lakers. I think for them, it's Anthony Davis in the post, it's LeBron, and it's a bunch of shooters. And that's, yeah, I think really think that's that's all they need. Um now, I say that, and they went out and get Dennis Schroeder, who is an awful three-point shooter, but he's going to play the Rondo role, which I'm fine with. Um, I like that, you know, and again, we'll get to it, but I like, I think Montrez Harrell over um, any of those centers, whether it's JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard, that's definitely a plus. Um, and they re-signed KCP, who, by the way, made all of his money in the playoffs last year legitimately like he turned into a, a plus 40 percent three-point shooter which he's never been his entire career so i think 
again, you're paying per, for past performance, which is a little scary, but um, he definitely stepped up. But kind of to go back to it, I listen, I think DeRozan and Aldridge are, are, are San Antonio-type players. San Antonio still values the mid-range jumper. They still value big guys who go out to 18, 19 feet, but doesn't you know doesn't shoot the three-point shot. And they're gonna go. They're gonna slow roll with it. Now, how many years left does Pop have? Who knows um, at this point. But I don't know if their value on the market. They're not really the hot type of player that a lot of teams are gonna want on the open market. Especially both of them making over twenty million. I feel like that's a hard sell. Right, and. I also, I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, surprise to me that went down was the fact that Brandon, Brandon Ingram has not been re-signed yet. He's still unsigned. And I know New Orleans is coming up with different plays and you know trying to figure out how much do we give him, what's his value. But, and I know they're trying to you know make sure that they have money left over for Zion, which will not be a problem. But because that's four or five years down the line, but I, I am shocked that Brandon Ingram is still unsigned. He's a restricted free agent, so unless the you know New Orleans is waiting for you know another shoe to drop, I don't know what's taking him so long, and I, I don't know that if they're in a rush to do it. But it's surprising to me, and I, I don't I don't think he's going to go anywhere else, Giff. Um, but I just want to know like why it's taking so long. And one other thing, Joe Harris. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't I couldn't help myself. That was that was a ridiculous amount of money for Joe Harris. Four years, seventy five million dollars for this guy. What has he done to earn almost twenty five million dollars a year? Can can you answer me that? Shot thirty thirty eight percent from three, maybe? Like Wait, so what did so Dimwitty resigned last year, what did he get? Didn't he get like 10 or 15? That's a good question. I, I have no idea. I, I think it's around that number. Sorry, podcast audience, but let's look up because Joe Harris is, that's. I have it right here. So it's three years, $34 million. Really? Yeah. So that's around what, $12 million? Really? It's the market. It's it's the market this year. That, that was the, actually, I take back the most surprising thing. I'd never seen so much money thrown around in any other free agency besides this one. And I know like a lot of teams are like, oh, all right, let's go for it. You know, COVID times, we don't know what the revenue is going to be like next year. Let's just go all in and try to get as much as we can out of this. Because do you think Paul Millsap's worth $10 million? That's what he got from the Nuggets to go back to Denver. I, I, I just... I, I, I sw- hey, quick, quick stat line on Joe Harris. Okay, you, you, let me read the stat line for you, and then you tell me if that's basically seventy-five million bucks over four years. I already know it's not. <laughs> I already know it's not. So let's just say it for the audience. So sixty-nine games played, fourteen point five points a game, forty-two percent from three-point land, four rebounds, two assists, point six steals, point two blocks. $75 million. You know, LeBron has basically pulled the same move with Clutch before to where um, KCP a couple of years ago got, you know, uh, one year for $20 million from the Lakers when it was just like, really? KCP for $20 million? I wonder if he's somehow tied into another star player because uh, that's the only thing that makes sense to me that he would get $75 million. bucks. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a reasonable offer. But again, tw- was he 29 years old? 
So you might be onto something if maybe they do have the same agent. I have no idea. But I think that was really, really surprising to me to see that kind of money thrown at a guy that now is going to be the third guy, a part of that trio in Brooklyn. That's going to be your third guy, Brooklyn. I don't know. That's that's tough to see. That I, He's good, but he's not great. He's not that. He's not worth $75 million. But Giff, if, if you want to go down the line here and just talk about some of the the recent signings, we'll get into it and uh, you know break down some of them. We're not going to get into all of them because there's probably close to thirty at this point. Yeah. Um. So let's. So what I did was I when I put everything down, I believe the top thirty um, free agent signings, um, based upon kind of what the rankings were online and and everything else that's there. Um. But for me, um, I actually don't mind the Brandon Ingram not signing yet because it's smart to if you basically know from the team that you're negotiating with that you know that's where you want to be i think it's only smart business to figure out what the market is there what market is there for you um so i think him him waiting i think i the fact that you know new orleans made the trade either i think it was today or yesterday for um steven adams and then you kind of see where the dominoes fall. I think you kind of see what the team, and I think it's exactly what Anthony Davis is doing right now. He's seeing how much money the Lakers have because they're moving people left and right. They've signed Gasol. They've signed Schroeder. They've signed Harrell. They've they've let go of Dwight. They've let go of Rondo. They let go of JaVale McGee. Um, they they traded Danny Green, so I think you kind of have to figure out what how much money is going to be available, and then how much money are other people getting that are comps to you on the open market. So I actually don't mind that move. I think that's pretty good business. I think that there's an agreement on both sides, being like, listen, we want we want to resign you, and I think from Ingram's perspective, he's like, All right, I just want to see what other guys get, and then get that or then some. Um, I think for me. You know, again, Joe Harris getting four years for seventy-five million bucks for fourteen point five points a game and five rebounds, and that just that seems a lot to me. Um, can we? So I think again, we're under pandemic. Like, if you actually looked at this, not knowing that the NBA is operating within a pandemic right now, you'd go, "Wow, there's like you wouldn't know." Like based upon the numbers that are so, I. I don't know what type of revenue the NBA lost, but it doesn't seem like it. it they lost much because the, some of these contracts are ridiculous. So a couple for me, they kind of jump off to the page, um, good or bad. Um, that Gordon Hayward signing, four years, $120 bucks from Jordan. Like, that's all guaranteed. And Gordon Hayward hasn't played a full season in three years since he left Utah. Mark Bartlestein, his, his agent, has done an unbelievable job. This guy gets paid no matter what. It, it doesn't matter if he gets injured. He's all good. Oh, that's funny. That's that's uh, Joe Harris's agent. That makes sense now. Oh, Bartlestein is? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. So he gets more than enough money for his clients, even though when they don't deserve it. That sounds about right. There you go. That makes more sense. Um, yeah, but like $120 bucks for a guy who has been injured three straight years. I, I again, MJ is the goat, but seriously, dude, really? You're gonna spend your salary cap on that guy? And if you're Gordon Hayward, right? 
and sorry to cut you off, if you're Gordon Hayward and you're the agent and you get an offer from Michael Jordan, I heard this and I, I kind of agree with it. If Michael Jordan, I think it was Scalabrini said this, if you're Michael Jordan, you're seeing you know Gordon Hayward and you're saying, all right, you know what? I'm going to pry him away from Indiana and Boston. These two are fighting. I'm just going to sneak in. I'm surprised New York didn't try to do that. But New York, I think, I think the average was like seventy-five to eighty million dollars that they were looking for for his contract. So that's not enough to sign him. But Charlotte was like, "Let's go for it." And if you're Gordon Hayward, you receive a call from the great, the Michael Jordan, the goat, and he's offering you one hundred twenty million dollars plus probably like a Jordan sponsorship. I mean, how can you say no? Yeah. So looking at that team right now. So Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Nicholas Batum, P.J. Washington, Cody Zeller, Bismack Beyond. Nick Batum might get uh, dropped, by the way. They're going to cut him so that they can save uh, salary. Okay. But still, okay, so you add Gordon Hayward and you add LaMelo Ball to that team. That still seems like a fringe eight, nine. Like that. Charlotte, to me, is a, they're a play-in team. They'll be from that eight to... Um, 12 range and or 8, 11, 10, 9, whatever you want to call it. They'll be in that playing round. That's it. But like, do you really, do you want to shoot for that? No, not really. And or 8, 11, 10, 9, whatever you want to call it. They'll be in that playing round. That's it. But like, do you really, do you want to shoot for that? No, not really. I love the notion of, oh, jo- Michael Jordan could put asses in the seats. What, what asses? Nobody's going into the... He's not playing. Nobody's going into that arena. Nobody's going into these arenas. What do you mean by putting... Nobody wants to go to these games. Nobody can't. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. I think what Gordon wanted, Gordon Hayward, he wanted exactly what he wanted, and that's get out of Boston. Bad karma. He's gotten injured how many times? He's done a lot for the city. He's gone to the bubble. He's left his family when his wife's pregnant. So he took on a lot of outside opportunities. So I don't know. He's not worth $120 million. He's not. But if you're him and you're in his shoes, you cannot say no. Well, you can't say no, but I think I, I, you can't fault him for it. But we've seen in the past where, and I call this the Edgar Renteria player. And the reason why I say that is because as soon as he moves into a big market, he tends to choke up. Well, not so choke, but bad things happen to him. And I say the Edgar Renteria card because obviously he was in St. Louis forever. We, you know, was an all-star year over year. Ends up going to Boston for one year, and he's absolute trash. Um, same thing. Julio Lugo was in Tampa Bay forever. Ended up going to the Red Sox. Was trash for them. Went on to the Dodgers. Played really, really well. Pablo Sandoval. Same thing. Exactly. So some guys can't. They either don't like or the the big market atmosphere just isn't for them. Now, obviously, I'm not going to hold the injuries um, against him, but he strikes me when he was really happy in Utah. Utah's not a big market. He ends up going to Boston, and in that Players' Tribune piece, he kind of said that he was following Brad there. So I can understand why he would want to go there, but listen, playing in Boston, playing in New York, playing in L.A., playing in Chicago, it's just a different type of animal. It just is. Um, whether it's the fan base or whether it's the expectations or whether it's the people or whether it's the coverage or whether it's you know everything combined, 
It's a different type of atmosphere playing in a major market. It just is. So, you know, good on him. He got $120 million, uh, guaranteed money from MJ. He's probably going to get a Jordan brand, you know, uh, sponsorship shoe. Oh, it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. So, so good on him. But what I will say is a couple of actually kind of sneaky deals uh, on here as far as the free agency signing so far. Um, the Montrez Herald deal for the Lakers, I think that's a huge deal for them. I think that is basically last year they were doing a mix and match for JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. They're able to shed both of their salaries, even though they weren't high, but basically sign one guy who can do both of their responsibilities and still have room to go get a Marcus Hall, to go get um, a Dennis Schroeder and reload and still have room to sign Contavious Caldwell Pope. Obviously, you got LeBron whenever AD signs. Um, I think the Montrez Harrell signing is a sneaky one. And listen, they got him for less than $10 million a year. That's that's a guy who wants to win a ring, as far as I'm concerned. Listen, if Jeremy Grant can go get $20 million a year, Montrez Harrell can at least get 15 from somewhere, but I think he wants to win a ring. So I think that's kind of a sneaky signing. Also, too, um, LA, LA Lakers are 10 steps ahead of the LA Clippers. And I guarantee, like, all these players that came off of, you know, the, the Clippers and some want out, um, I would say ultimately the Clippers are just not a functional team. And let's see what Ty Lue does. But it sounds like, you know, it's it's uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard show, which we understand that. But in, in Lakertown, it, it's not just LeBron James and Anthony Davis. There's a bunch of other players that played a huge factor in them winning a championship. So if, if you're the Clippers, you got to compete with these guys in the open market. And I understand that you're you're probably at a hard cap going through Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but you didn't make yourself better. You you might have made yourself worse. Montrezl Harrell is a beast in the paint. You know Marcus Morris. You you signed him for four years, sixty four million dollars. Am I seeing that correctly? Oh yeah, no, that's legit. That's legit, brother. I just threw up in my mouth. That that is like one of the worst contracts I think I've ever seen. He only got like a one-year, $10 million deal last offseason. Maybe not even 10. I don't know how these guys, they ultimately get paid because of the market. I get it. But no way in shape or form is Marcus Morris due $16 million a year. And by the way, in that Denver series, he gave up shots left and right down the stretch. He gave up. So basically when it came down to... um, when Denver made their comeback, and especially in Game 6 and Game 7, he was one of the biggest guys to literally not want the ball in his hands when it came down to, to crunch time. It was Kawhi, and that was it. Paul George would sometimes take a shot just to mix things up a bit, but Kawhi was the only guy to to, to want to shoot down the stretch in Game 6 and Game 7. And, and um, Marcus Morris was one of the biggest offenders of get the ball out of my hands as soon as possible. Um, so, And that's shocking to me because usually it's sticky with him. But yeah, I, I anytime that we're talking about super teams, it just gets me frustrated only because I don't want to see Giannis go anywhere except stay in Milwaukee. I want him to be that anchor that's there for 10, 15 years, and whoever else wants to come on board with the Bucks, you know, 
you, you're you're part of my crew. Let's go and try to win a title. Um, yeah, it's kind of the loyalty factor. And 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 again, you know, watching Katie, Steph, and Clay play basketball was very, you know, entertaining on television. But it it creates for no drama during the year. Like you can get to nine, ten teams that potentially can win a title. Then we got something. But if you pretty much know it's it's during those runs, it was you know Golden State or Cleveland. Nah then we're probably not going to have much competition on the stretch. Um, to go back to the Van Fleet situation, I love that signing for him, and I love that signing for Toronto because I don't think after, because I'm pretty sure Kyle Lowry's a free agent after this year coming up, I don't see them re-signing him. And I see, and especially with losing Gasol, losing Ibaka, um, you had to get somebody there that you could build around. So I love that. I love signing for Toronto. Um and, uh, you know, just the fact that he went back there and if you can attach yourself to a good coach, that's half the battle. You don't have to worry about schemes. You don't have to worry about a ton of things. You can literally go there. All right, coach, you know, what do we got going tonight? And I think that was that was definitely a smart move um, from, from Van Fleet. Um, I... You know what? I like the fact that Miami's still being aggressive. Um, I love the Avery Bradley signing for them. Um, he doesn't have to play a ton of minutes, but he, again, is a perimeter defensive guy, which is one of the things that they struggled with down the stretch. You know, Tyler Hero is good. Duncan Robinson is good from from offensive standpoint, but they're, they're you know, they're sibs up defensively. So I love the sign from them. Um, I wouldn't have brought Gordon Dragic back personally because they signed him for like 18 19 million a year uh, that's that's a lot for him um I'm, i might have let him go but i like the fact that they're still trying to upgrade and move forward um from there and that's shocking to me because usually it's sticky with him but well it's sticky with him in in january when it doesn't matter but honestly when it gets into kind of playoff time that ball was out of his hand you know quicker yeah, it was just out of his hand. You know, he was just like, "Ah, get this to Kawhi, get it out of my, get it out of my sight." Um, so let's um, let's kind of go full circle with because we kind of went a little bit backwards. We talked about the trades, we talked about the the, the free agency. I want to talk about a couple of different signings um, outside of that top thirty that I think are definitely um, worthy to talk about and then we'll kind of go into the draft and then we'll kind of go into who we think, you know, got better, got worse, what have you. Um, Rajon Rondo going to the Atlanta Hawks two years. I think it was like 19 million bucks. Um, that's a big signing for Atlanta. Now you're going to talk about, you know, Gallinari. That's fine. He goes three for 60. Congratulations. I still don't know how this guy makes $20 million a year when he's never on the court for a full season. However, I think this Rajon Rondo signing is more of a Trey Young signing than it is for Rajon Rondo. And here's why. Just like how LeBron benefited from Rajon Rondo being on the team last year, being able to take some of the ball handling and some of the playmaking responsibilities off of him in the second and third quarter... I think you're going to see that exact formula with Rondo going to Atlanta. Um, I, I I honestly wouldn't start him. I would have him come off the bench just like he did um, for, for the Lakers. But the fact that 
Rondo's going to take some of the playmaking responsibilities and you can put Trey Young off ball is going to be massive. Absolutely massive for um for Trey Young and his development because listen, he was a kind of a turnover machine last year, but he also had the ball in his hand a lot more than people thought. He was pretty much one of the only guys on offense there. I mean, obviously you got um Oh, who's the kid from Duke they got in the draft? Who's escaping me? Yeah, so they got Cam Reddish, um, you know, John Collins for pick and rolls and for dunks and stuff, but pretty much they didn't have anybody else. So the fact that they now have Rondo takes some of the responsibilities off of Trey Young. Those turnovers are obviously going to go down. Um, I love that signing. I love it. I think it's going to do wonders for Trey Young's development. I think Rondo's going to hold him accountable. Um and I also think another kind of sneaky signing for me or, or acquisition, Kelly Oubre going to the the Warriors. Obviously, there's not one person that's going to be able to make up for Clay going down. But if you're like West, Utah gets worse, Spurs get worse, Denver stays level. You know, you add Kelly Oubre to Steph and to Wiseman and to Draymond, and to, you know, whoever. That's not bad. I, I, I think it's, I don't think Golden State's going to go far, but I think they were able, and they re-signed Bazemore. I love Bazemore's game. Um, I don't think that's terrible. So I think kind of two under-the-radar sort of moves would be Rondo going to the Hawks, um, and then Kelly Oubre going to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and I don't hate it. I, I actually love what the Hawks did. Um, and they might get Bogdan Bonjanovic. So uh, if he gets to, to the Atlanta Hawks, they have plenty of shooters around them. And Rajon Rondo, he is a playmaker. He's always been that way. He gets a bad rap because of his off-the-court issues, so they say, you know, his personality. But he's competitive. And if you don't like a pe- competitive guy, then you're a loser. You're a losing team. So Atlanta is going to be in the playoffs. They might be you know, anywhere from the 5 to the 8 seed. Um, if they can make some noise utilizing Raja Rondo with his presence of passing the ball to Danilo Gallinari and, like you said, Trey Young, John Hollins. They got Clint Capella. They got uh, Okongwu in the draft. Um, I think they're solid. I think they're a good team moving forward. Um, really a shocking, like, Pickup for me, and we talked about it, is Montrez Harrell. I, I think, I think that's one of the best signings is LA stealing the Lakers stealing it from the Clippers. That is massive. Um, anytime you can ultimately, you know, take him and take away basically the spirit of the Clippers, because Montrez Harrell does the little things. He's a force. He has attitude, and he wants to win. And he's in the right place because the Lakers just showed it in the bubble, and in the playoffs that they're a championship-caliber team winning the championship. The Clippers fell short, and he kind of saw that. I get demolished. They got demolished, not fell short. Wrong terminology, but in my eyes, too, I wonder if he sees, okay, now we got Ty Lue. Are things going to change? We have Kawhi Leonard, who doesn't really have like an expression. He doesn't really show his motivation. Montrezl Harrell was literally the heart of that team. And I felt like that was a massive sign for the Lakers to acquire him in the best way, shape, and form. Another pickup 
was Fred Van Vliet going back to Toronto. Toronto could not lose this guy. They had to do everything possible because him and Nick Nurse have a very, very good connection. They have great camaraderie. They know the tendencies throughout the game, the trends, how to look for you know, pick and roll, pick and pop action, ultimately where to take the right shot at the right time. And Kyle Lowry is probably clapping his hands for the front office because he takes Fred Van Leet takes a load off of Kyle Lowry, and Kyle Lowry can then do what he does best. And I, I just I, I think that's an underrated pickup. I, I think a lot of people say, oh, because he went back to Toronto. I, I think it's a huge steal too. Four years, eighty-five million dollars for a guy that you know was vital uh, with Kawhi Leonard in that championship uh, run, and ultimately. When you reboot without Kawhi Leonard, you gotta have some kind of you know dignity. And moving forward to reset, you know, to press the reset button, they didn't have to. They just they had the core pieces around Kawhi Leonard to then be competitive. And yes, they're a top three in the East type of team this year. Let's see what they do in 2020. But don't sweat on that. That is a huge, huge um, you know return for Toronto because. Fred Van Leet could have easily went elsewhere to the Knicks or, you know, I, I think a, a team like the Mavericks could have used them. With... Nope, no, but I'm just saying this. There's teams that are threats out there because they can throw money at them. So, and I'm not saying that the Knicks were a threat, but the Knicks could have offered $100 million and he might have had to think, hmm, if I can get $100 million versus 85, is it that big of a difference? We don't know. But I think he's in the right place at the right time. Um, I do want to make a point, and we talked about this too, is the teams are waiting for restricted free agents to sign. I want to bring up one point. Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo has not signed with the Miami Heat for restricted free agency. Anthony Davis has not signed for restricted free agency. There is another guy out there that is up for a max deal, and he still has not signed that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. If Giannis is waiting around, seeing what team's doing, Miami Heat is doing exactly what they should be doing. It is waiting for Giannis to either sign an agreement, or if there's buzz out there, if there's reports that he's not happy with whatever reason throughout the course of the season, you can wait to sign Bam Adebayo to the max deal after this year, into, into the season. So it only makes sense for these teams in L.A. standpoint. LeBron's going to take a one-for-one one deal, right? Every single year, he's probably going to take a one-for-one. One, and then whenever LeBron's out, Anthony Davis can then see, okay, maybe I can, I can pull Giannis in, into the mix. That's something that has been reported, and I, I fully agree with it. I think that is huge leverage on these teams to wait and wait and wait on the max deals because then you can play with your money and ultimately you can sign these guys for less if Giannis is available. Anytime that we're talking about super teams, it just gets me frustrated only because I don't want to see Giannis go anywhere except stay in Milwaukee. I want him to be that anchor that's there for 10, 15 years and whoever else wants to come on board with the Bucks, you know, you're, you're part of my crew. Let's go and try to win a title. Um, watching Katie, Steph, and Clay play basketball was very, you know, entertaining on television, but it, it creates for no drama during the year. Like, you can get to nine, ten teams that potentially can win a title, 
then we got something. But if you pretty much know it's it's during those runs, it was you know Golden State or Cleveland. Nah, then we're probably not at much competition. Go back to the Van Fleet situation. I love that signing for him, and I love that signing for Toronto because I don't think after because I'm pretty sure Kyle Lowry's a free agent after this year coming up. I don't see them re-signing him, and I see and especially with losing Gasol, losing Ibaka. Um, you had to get somebody there that you could build around. So I love that. I love signing for Toronto. Um, and, you know, just the fact that he went back there. And if you can attach yourself to a good coach, that's half the battle. You don't have to worry about schemes. You don't have to worry about a ton of things. You can literally go there. All right, coach, you know, what do we got going tonight? And I think that was that was definitely a smart move. Um, from, from Van Fleet. Um, I, you know what, I I like the fact that Miami's still being aggressive. Um, I love the Avery Bradley signing for them. Um, he doesn't have to play a ton of minutes, but he, again, is a perimeter defensive guy, which is one of the things that they struggled with down the stretch. You know, Tyler Hero is good. Duncan Robinson is good from, from offensive standpoint, but they're, they're, you know, they're sibs up defensively. So, I love the sign from them. Um, I wouldn't have brought Gordon Dragic back personally because they signed him for like 18, 19 million a year. Uh, that's that's a lot for him. Um, I'm, I might have let him go, but I like the fact that they're still trying to upgrade and move forward um, from there. I, I do want to see if there's an option on the Dragic thing because if money comes off the books, that might be helpful for them to you know, go out and get a free agent after that year. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Miami did a, a pretty good job aside from Dragic's uh, contract. If you put Draymond on the Detroit Pistons, nobody would know about him. He's just, he, he would be a nobody. And since he's on Golden State and they've won championships, and he's really like a, a support, a member of the supporting cast. He's not a lead role. And that's why he, he will never be, you know, a star in this league because one, he can't knock down a three and two, he's like a tweener and those type of players don't really exist anymore. So I wouldn't be shocked if Draymond Green kind of falls off the map after he leaves Golden State, if he does. Yeah, he's a tweener getting paid max money, which is never a good sign. Let's roll the draft because we did a draft preview and let's kind of see. We got the top three right and then shit, shit went haywire after that. Um, yeah, as usual in the draft. So let's go to the draft. So one, two, three, when as we predicted, um, you got um, Anthony Edwards um, going number one uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, you have um, James Wiseman um, going second to the Golden State Warriors. Chalk, as we kind of discussed. Um, and then you went LaMelo um, ball going third to Charlotte. Um, I think all those are definitely the, definitely the right fits. Um, as far as what they're looking for, for right now, I think if you have D'Angelo Russell and if you have, um, Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think you need another guy who's going to demand the ball. I think you have a guy who's bodily, body wise, he's ready, can shoot from the outside. Great. James Wiseman. Yep, James Wiseman, this is the replacement for Draymond. 
I think Draymond, especially looking at last year with his three-point shooting or just with the shooting in general, he's, I think he's on his, again, they're, they're paying him for a couple more years, but I think he's on his way out. Great um, draft pick from them. So I want to make a point about Golden State. Okay, Golden State, yes, James Wiseman was the ideal pick. With this Clay Thompson injury coming out, if Anthony Edwards is there, you kind of have to go with him, obviously. You know, LaMelo Ball would have been an okay fit to take pressure off of Steph Curry and have Steph Curry play off a ball. But ultimately, I agree. I think James Wiseman was the ideal pick. See, for me, for me, Giff, I think Patrick Williams was, and I said this, I said it was either Okoro or Pat Williams going to Chicago because I felt like they needed a defensive wing a guy that can ultimately, you know, score, um, you know, with with really ease. If you, if you look at this guy's career highlight, uh, highlights at FSU, he was probably the most well-rounded, um, you know, small forward slash power forward, forward you can call it, in the ACC. He was the most prototypical NBA player, ready player on FSU. And he was the guy that, he he scrapped for loose balls. He grabbed rebounds. He did everything a coach would want to do. So in, in my eyes, I think he is perfect for Billy Donovan and Chicago Bulls. He he's exactly what they needed. Now Zach Levine, like you said, and Kobe White, there might be a little bit too much guard play. So that's why I didn't think Killian Hayes would be the exact fit. But Hayes is definitely a guy that I am a huge fan of. He kind of reminds me of, you know, if I were to say a better Brandon Jennings. Now, get, don't get me wrong. Brandon Jennings was an average point guard in this league. I get that. But the reason why I say he's above average is because his vision. He has an elite vision on the court. And you saw that in France. And, of course, the game is different from EuroLeague to the NBA. But he is going to translate fine. And I think Detroit is going to need him, too. Like, he's going to have to step in and be that catalyst, you know, that runs point. You know, Derrick Rose may be starter, but he might come off the bench. But I think when it's all said and done, I think Killian Hayes comes out and he's, he's going to be the best player in this draft. Um, I really feel high on this guy. I think Anthony Edwards is a two, and I think LaMelo Ball will just struggle in Charlotte because he's not going to have that great of a supporting cast, and he's going to have to battle Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. And so maybe T. Rowe takes a back seat and maybe LaMelo Ball, you know, plays a huge factor, you know, plus they draft him at three, right? So, and, and also previous podcasts, you said it right. Michael Jordan wanted that challenge and look what he got. And I think it was somebody on Twitter, they posted the meme of LaBar Ball playing one-on-one with Michael Jordan. And they said, Let's see if we get a 2.0 matchup. It is true. Maybe LeVar Ball and Michael Jordan ballot out in Lomelo's practice again. Um, but I, I do I do like the draft from you know for top three. Everything else, like you said, it was kind of in the mix. I, I didn't think Obi Toppin was gonna go to the Knicks. Uh, I, I feel like Halliburton should have should have gone there. But um I, I mean you saw Halliburton or Detroit. Yeah. You know, LaMelo Ball going to Charlotte, you, you're trying to get some star power there. Uh, I see exactly what MJ's trying to do there. And then 
parlay that with the fact that you brought um, Gordon Hayward on board. You know, I like where they're headed again. I think they're a playing team. Um, I don't see them really doing a whole lot of stuff just based upon the roster and stuff. And then it kind of got nutty from there. Um, I'm shocked that Patrick Williams went fourth. I Again, I don't hate the pick because I think if you're Chicago, you know, you, you, you know, I feel like they should have gone defense here. Um, Patrick Williams isn't necessarily a defensive guy. He's more of a three and D guy. And they, and they have, um, all of those guys with, um, uh, with Zach Levine, with, uh, Markinen, um, you know, with, uh, Colby white. I was just like, ugh, I don't, I don't know what they're really doing with that one. That was a shock. But to me, as far as the top 10 picks are concerned, my, Honestly, my favorite pick out of all of them is uh, Onyeka Ngonku for Atlanta. I love, I love that pick so much because you already have the firepower, right? You got Cam Reddish, you got um, Trey Young, you got you know Rondo coming in, you got John Collins, but you you legitimately need um, a again, and and you can also. Um, you have him as as a defensive guy. He doesn't need the ball, doesn't need to score. And if you're going to do anything in the East, and you're going to go up against you're going to go up against Giannis. You're going to go up against Jason Tatum. You're going to go up against um you know, Jimmy Butler. You're going to go up against these these wings that are that you know, can go anywhere. You need a defensive stopper. Yep, you need a versatile big that can guard bigs and that can guard um you know, they can guard twos, they can guard threes, and they can guard fours. Out of the top ten, honestly, that was my favorite pick out of all of them. I think that was a home run pick, and I think that that's definitely going to help them, you know, moving forward. And listen, for me, I think going into next year, um, I think maybe, I think there's an outside chance. Now, outside, if they get Bogdanovich, I think there's an outside chance that Toronto and Atlanta can switch spots next year. Because it, it, Toronto, they have Kyle Lowry and they have Fred Van Fleet, and that's it. They don't really have anybody else after that. Um, I I think I think there's a very good chance that Atlanta and Toronto switch spots. Now, not, not exact spots, but it, it, Atlanta top four. So if Atlanta and Toronto can switch spots next year, where Toronto ends up being – more of an 8, 9, 10 play-in sort of a team, and Atlanta shoots up to maybe the 4, 5, 6 area. Um, yeah, I can see that totally happening. I I, I, I think I think Halliburton is, is, is a better fit for Detroit only because who on that roster can shoot the basketball? Because you got Derrick Rose who, you know, maybe you know low to mid-30s from three. Blake Griffin can't shoot the three anymore. You think good, good luck with Luke Kennard. Now you throw in – yeah, so, so – so now you throw in Killian Hayes, who can do everything else except shoot the basketball. For me, I feel like Halliburton might have been a better pick because at least with that, you can play. See, I don't know if you can play Killian Hayes and Derrick Rose in the same backcourt. I don't think you can do that, or I don't think it's to your benefit, only because they can do everything else except shoot the ball. So when both of your guards are not threats, from three-point range, specifically in this current era of the NBA, you're at a disadvantage 
if you are Detroit and you go against Golden State, and minus, you know, obviously we take the the, the injury from Clay into consideration, but if you throw up Steph and Kelly Oubre against Derrick Rose and Killian Hayes, good luck with that. At least with the Halliburton, that now with Sacramento, and again, Sacramento, I, SMH, you're going to re-sign De'Aaron Fox to a Supermax deal, and then you're going to go pick Tyrese Halliburton. Now, they might be able to play in the same backcourt, but I, I don't understand the, the, the point in that. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't understand that either, Giff. And like you said, you know, Fox gets the max deal. You know, I feel like they could have used, you know, a guy maybe like an Aaron Neesmith because, or even, you know, a Denny Abiha, you know. But I, I know they would have had to trade up to get these type of guys. Well, not Neesmith, but I think they, they need to understand that Buddy Heald could be a huge trade chip. And maybe they do that after Bogdan is signed. Maybe they then flip Heald for, you know, future, you know, compensation. But I, I just can't, I can't fathom what Sacramento does on a year, yearly basis. And it just, I continue to scratch my head and try to figure out what their game plan is with Vlade Divac. Like, I just don't understand what they're trying to do there. I, I don't think they have an identity. They, they want to be shooting. They want to be fast. But they don't really have the players necessarily that can get that done. DeAndre Fox is a good player, but he's not, I mean, De'Aaron Fox, but he's not the best, like, you know, ball handler. You know, he, he's, he's an okay player. He is. If he was on another team, he would thrive even more. Like, if he went to a team that needs a point guard that, you know, for example, like, say, the Miami Heat. If he went to the Heat, he'd be, like, an elite star in the East. Since he's in Sacramento, he's just like, give me the cash. I'm good. I'll, I'll camp out here my, my career. And so I just don't – Vladi Divac store money around. And I don't know if these, these guys necessarily fit what they're trying to do. Or I don't think they understand what they're trying to do. And so I think they're just an organization that has just fallen, fallen off the cliff ever since you know they made it to, what, the 1997-6 NBA Finals? I don't even remember. I don't even think they made it to the Finals, right? They- no, they ran into, um, it was 2000 and... I want to say they went against the Lakers in 2001 and went to the Western Conference Finals and the Lakers came out. Well, I mean, it's been reported that Vladi doesn't know how to how to manage the salary cap. You know, legitimately, he doesn't know the, the rules of the salary cap, so that's an issue. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Sacramento to me, they're, they're, always, they're always a wild card. Who knows what they're going to take at, at any point. Um, I actually don't mind. Now, we'll, I'll tee this up for you on a platter. Um, I like what the Celtics did in this draft, and I typically don't say that out loud. But I think when you, especially with Brad Stevens, and especially with what he wants to do with shooting threes and everything like that, I love the Naismith pick. Um, and I don't mind the Peyton Pritchard pick. Um, because with Peyton Pritchard and with the signing of Jeff Teague, those are backup options for Kemba. 
And with Kemba's knee still not being well after, gosh, a little bit over a year, that's obviously very troublesome. So I think that Boston definitely did a really good job of using their picks and not only using their picks, but using their picks to be able to play now and be effective now. Because typically Danny, what he does is that he'll he'll take a guy and stash him either in Maine or he'll stash him overseas or what have you. But these are two guys that can legitimately help them now. Um, and honestly, I think I think they had one of the better drafts. Yeah, I think exactly what you think right now, Giff. Um, Neesmith was the player to watch at Vanderbilt. And he went up against, you know, high-profile guys. And I, I think the competitiveness, the competition, now he got slightly hurt. He injured his toe or foot. Uh, I forget what it was, you know, in, in like a practice pickup kind of, you know, fashion. But um, he's the guy that you can rely on from the three-point arc. And if you want to become, that's the ultimate reason why Danny Ainge did this, is he understood exactly what you said, Brad Stevens' system. You cannot have wannabe three-point shooters. If you're going to run this system, you need guys that can shoot the ball. And I believe Neesmith shot close to 45% from three. And I, I, I think um, you know Pritchard was right there at 40%. So I think the, these guys are really a can't-miss type of player. And ultimately, like you said, plug in ready. These guys are ready to play now. And yes, the leverage that Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens has now is they can plug in and take the load off of Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker's knees are not the same people, okay? Jeff Teague is exactly what the Celtics wanted because they need a scoring backup point guard, which is why they got rid of Brad Wanamaker. They knew Wanamaker was the guy that they can rely on scoring. He'll get you to 12 to 15 points per game. And the biggest signing for me, Giff, and it, it keeps on getting overlooked, is the Tristan Thompson signing. This guy is a monster when it comes to rebounds. He is way better rebounder than Cantor. He's a way better rebounder than Tice. And it, yeah, but no, offensive rebounds, Cantor's really good offensive rebounder. He is. He gets in the right position, but he is terrible at boxing out and playing defense. Tristan Thompson kind of gives you both sides of the ball. Offensively, he's, he's going to want to shoot a three, but Brad's going to have to rely on you know, him for, for screens, right? You have shooters screen down and coming off the picks. And that's what Ray Allen did really well with Kendrick Perkins. So I would like to see Tristan Thompson do what kind of Kendrick Perkins did is, you know, have your moments, you know, do your post, post game. Um, but ultimately, you're a screener, you're a rebounder, you're blocking shots. You're a guy that can bring multiple facets to the game that no other big on the Celtics can do. So I don't know if he's going to start. He might come off the bench to start. But Daniel Tice, he's going to have a lot of support. And he better not get into fall trouble because Tristan Thompson is going to become for his job. So I do like what the Celtics did. I just I think they have one more guy, like a veteran presence that they need that can just come off the bench. Maybe like an Iguodala. Like Iguodala is out there. Why not try to make, him, make a run at him and see if they can make you know make something out of it. But yeah, but you guys are strapped for for cash, though. I don't know if you have the uh, like you're no veteran minimum. Well, veteran minimum. I mean, is is Iguodala really going to try and do that at this point in his career? You know, like I he did with Miami. He might now. Well, 
Yeah, but Miami's also in Florida, and Florida also has less taxes than Massachusetts. You got to take a consideration to that, too. Very agreed. Okay. Iguodala, to me, is, I don't know if he even starts the year. I think he signs halfway through the year, just kind of similar to what he did in Miami. I don't think he's signed by a team. Um, I think he kind of see. I think he kind of weighs the the lay of the land. Kind of sees the contenders from the pretenders, and I think he signs halfway through the year. I really don't think he signs anywhere else um, earlier than. That. But they could also get a trade exception. Here's here's the big point. They could get a trade exception through the sign and trade deal with Gordon Hayward. So right now, Charlotte doesn't have enough to sign Gordon Hayward outright. They need exactly the money that they they signed him for. So I think they're around ten to nine or ten million dollars over the cap. So they ultimately need to get rid of somebody, whether that's Nick Batoon and they stretch him, which is is the truth right now. But I think the Celtics are trying to work a sign and trade deal where either they get Terry Rozier straight up or they get a trade exception. And I'd rather see them get the trade exception because then you can ultimately go to another team, say like the Orlando Magic, and ask for Evan Fournier. Or, you know, you just get a guy, another shooter, Kyle Korver, for example. You can go out and sign a guy like Kyle Korver with the veteran minimum. By the way, isn't J.J. Redick out there still? No, he's not. Is he still with New Orleans? He's still with New Orleans, correct. Okay. All right. But, hey, Korver might not be a bad shout, though. You kind of have to do what you have, right, on the on the market now. But also, Danny Ainge doesn't mind calling up teams and trying to figure out, you know, what the missing piece is. But, again... For them to get into a conversation, top three team in the East, they need at least another veteran piece. And it's not only for performance purposes, Giff. It's so these guys have a veteran presence to go to to talk to. Because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're very young. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, the way that they're performing. But in bad times, they need a guy that they can just go to and say, man, like, you know, what are we going to do? Like, what do I need to do to work out my game? Because if they go to Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart is a ball of fire, and he's going to let you know how he feels. So, and I think that kind of rubbed Gordon Hayward off the wrong wrong way too. Um, but they need a guy that can just be there for, for conversation, leadership, veteran presence. Give me Kyle Carver or even, I'm telling you, Iguodala might be out there. And if he, if he is, I might make a run at him. So, um, especially with the trade exception. But I'm going to get off my Celtics, you know, show my spotlight because I think they definitely have a lot of work to do still. They need a lot of development in these players. And we've seen it. Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge, they, they go up and, you know, they do as much as they can. And sometimes they just fall short. And it, it, it bars the question, is Brad Stevens only a good regular season coach? And that's that remains to be seen. Um, you know, if he is a playoff coach. So um yeah. So here's the thing, and, and and especially in the playoffs, and Houston has been a great example of this over the past four or five years. When you're in the regular season and those threes are fallen, that's regular season defense. Um very, but when you're playing a team four, five, six, seven straight times, that defense is going to get heightened. You can't just rely on three point shooting to get you to where you need to get to. 
that's why, although I'm very happy for, for Jason Tatum that he's going to be allegedly, sources say, he's going to sign the Supermax. I, yeah, so I need to see with him, for, for the Celtics and for him specifically, get to the next level. He can't go through stretches where he shoots five or six threes before he goes to the basket five or six times. That can't happen moving forward. For the Celtics to be up in the upper echelon of the East and for him to be a top 10, top 15 player, too often he settles for outside jump shots. Too often. His outside jump shot should be a last resort. He can very easily get to the bucket. His post game is actually better than a lot of people think. Uh, I think he can get better, but his he needs to be attacking James Harden style to the bucket and get to the point where he's getting 8, 9, 10, 11 free throws a game. I think that helps everybody else. I think that helps Jalen Brown. I think that helps Jeff Teague. I think that helps you know anybody else who's there. That ultimately helps the team. So although they added Tristan Thompson, they added Jeff Teague, and those um, those draft picks, I like that. But I think the ultimate improvement has to come from Tatum. If, again, that whole team falls in love with the three, but just because everybody else does it doesn't mean he has to as well and fall in line and shoot a bunch of threes. He needs to get to that point where he's averaging 9, 10, 11, or 12 free throws a game then that's going to take him to the next level and that's going to take that team to the next level because they can all shoot threes, that's fine, but their main score has to have a balance of both. And when he falls in love with the worst thing for him in a game is if he hits two threes in a row. Then he's jacking up 10, 11, 12 threes that game and he's probably going 30, 40%. But he needs to get to the bucket a lot more because that elevates everybody. Right, and real quick, Jason Tatum signed a five-year, $195 million max extension. So he did get paid by the Celtics. They backed up the Brinks truck for him. So, Giff, I, I do want to mention, though, and you bring up a great point. You know, he falls in love with the three, and that's kind of Brad Stevens' system. But I think he did a pretty good job before the playoffs attacking and finding his way to the hoop and gathering himself from a field goal perspective so that way he's not shooting too many threes because, again, it goes back to the point. If Marcus Smart can do it, so can I, right? You, you made that great point. So that's why it's important to bring in a veteran so that way they can, they can kind of coach them and say, hey, guys, like our chances of making that shot are not good. Let's go to the hoop. If we're missing five, five in a row, which sometimes happens, and it's just pure ugliness, um, and then Marcus Smart just goes off and he feels like he can just keep on shooting the three. I, I feel like they need a veteran presence that can like open these guys up and maybe coach Brad up and say, okay, Brad, let's stop falling in love with this freaking three-point. Like, let's go to the hoop. And you kind of saw it also, I think it was in game four or game five of the Miami Heat series. They attacked. And they were averaging like 25 to 30 assists in, in, in that game. And... I forget the stat, but Chris Mannix said it right. It was before a Celtics game, and it was back, I think it was last year or the year before. The Celtics were close to undefeated when they had 30 or more assists per game. And that shows that ball movement is so key. 
And it's necessary, it's so necessary in the system to create wise opportunities to create open shots for others. And we did not see that throughout the playoffs. It was me, me, isolation basketball. And so I just hope, I hope that they get somebody that can honestly teach people and, and like just learn from experience. Have a guy that knows experience and knows, you know, tendencies of a game, when to take that shot, when to not take that shot, and just be open-minded about, hey, maybe I should actually listen to this guy because he's a guy that's been in the league for, you know, 15 to 20 years. So, and that's a shout, that's a shout to Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart has, the reason why Danny Ainge actually engaged in conversations with Golden State for the number two pick is exactly why. Is because he falls in love with the three. When he doesn't fall in love with the three, he does everything correctly, Geth. He does defense wicked well. He is an extremely good passer. He sorted out uh, Oklahoma State. So, man, I, I just wish Marcus Smart and his team would come together from a field goal percentage standpoint instead of shooting threes. They just need to get their act together. Yeah, and I think... And, and the thing is, is that if you develop that in the regular season, it's going to easily transition over to the playoffs. Because when you try and switch playing styles going from the regular season to the playoffs, and you've had 82 games of experience where you rely very heavily on three, and then you try and and try and there's, there's not much changes. And specifically, when it comes down to time where the pressure is the highest, you're going to revert back to what you're most comfortable with. And for the Celtics, that's jacking up a bunch of threes. Um so we'll see what happens. I'm happy he got paid. I'm happy that he can stay in Boston for another five years. Um, and you know he can go along with Jalen Brown. So the Celtics have Jalen Brown and Jason for five each. That's a great foundation. And plug and play the players around. But let's transition. Real quick, though. Tatum's deal, Tatum's deal goes into effect after this upcoming season. Next year? Yes. Okay, so they got six years of Tatum and five of Brown. Yes. Okay, so perfect. Um I think that that's a great one-two base, the great Batman Robin, and plug-and-play um, all around it. So let's see. we talked about the draft, talked about the trades, we've talked about free agency. So let's go in and, and kind of give our predictions, but give our kind of opinions on who got better, who got worse, who stayed the same. Um, and, and specifically, since seeing how the season's going to start in basically a month, uh, I think this is a pretty good, you know, um, kind of spot to do this. So we'll go with, we'll go west and east. I'll give my teams who I thought got better, got worse. You do your west and then we'll go to the east. Um I think obviously for me, um the Lakers definitely got better. Now people are probably thinking that Rob Palinka is somehow going on the Ouija board or, or or trying to figure out how on earth he's not really going over the salary cap because he's gonna resign Anthony Davis. He's gonna get Truder, he's gonna get Marcus All. Um, but look, Danny Green was making 16, 17 million bucks a year. Rondo was making five or six, and then you have Dwight Howard and you have JaVale McGee all the way off of that. I think somehow they'll end up being around the same salary cap wise, but I think they got better. Montrez Harrell can do by himself what the Lakers relied on from Dwight Howard and from JaVale McGee last year. Um, Schroeder, although I think is a little bit of a downgrade from Rondo just because of the playoff experience, I think Schroeder can give them the same amount. Resigning KCP 
and the icing on the cake getting Marcus All to be a another defensive rebounder option to everything else. I think the Lakers definitely got better. Um, I think Phoenix got better. I like I like what I see. I like the fact that Chris Paul is going to be able to push Devin Booker. I like the fact that Jay Crowder. I've never been super high on Jay Crowder, but I like the fact that he got, that he went there with DeAndre Ayton and everything around that. I like that. So I think they got better. Um, I think the Clippers stayed the same. I don't. I mean, losing Harrell obviously makes them worse. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a super impact for him. I think for me, kind of the biggest disappointment, at least from a selfish um, basketball reason, I'm bummed out that Denver didn't much. They obviously lost Jeremy Grant. They were rumored to potentially go out and get Drew Holiday. Um, But I think that they need that third banana to be able to compete with the Clippers and with um, with the Lakers. I'm bummed they didn't go out and get anybody. A Drew Holiday to them would have been a home run. For me, that would have been like, okay, yeah, I'm on. Denver can definitely contend. Um, I don't think Jeremy Grant's going to be as big of a, of a loss as you do, um, only because I that, you know, coming off of the bench, okay, yeah, I mean, he gave them good minutes. He's definitely not worth $20 million a year for sure. Um, not, not at all. And, and, and good on you, Detroit. Have fun with that contract. Um, you know, but I, I don't think, um, let's take a look here. Um, I don't think that's gonna hurt them all that much. So just for me, um, I would have liked to have seen Denver go for it, um, and try and compete with the top two, but I think Lakers got better. Phoenix got better. Um, I think Denver saying, which it almost in an essence got, got worse. Um, but that's just my opinion on the, on the West. Yeah, so if we're talking West for me, it's it's Portland. Portland did an amazing job, um, you know, keeping their core intact. Obviously, you know, they have C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard and, uh, you know, Yusuf uh, Nurkic, but they got Rob Covington, man. Covington is going to be huge in the corner, you know, for, for threes. Great defensive-minded player. Um, and also, they got Rodney Hood back, and, you know, you know they have Zach Collins, obviously, but What's what's more important to me is bringing that bringing back Carmelo Anthony because he was really impactful on that team. He brought a lot to the table, and I think he's going to average anywhere from fifteen to twenty points per game. But again, they just keep adding the right pieces because they then went out and got a guy like Derek Jones Jr. and they just have exactly what you think their makeup should be. You know, they have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. And, you know, they get rid of Hassan Whiteside. Whiteside doesn't have to stay there. They can utilize Zach Collins. And they also have, you know, a guy, like I said, in um, Nurkic. So it seems like this is just, this is exactly what Portland should have done. And and they got Cantor. It's like a solid piece coming off the bench. So I, I like Portland, man. Portland did one hell of a job. They're going to be top five in the NBA, um, you know, in the Western Conference. And they're going to be a force when it comes to the playoffs because of depth. And I think that's something that they missed, Giff. That's something massively that they missed. And especially, you know, against the Nuggets. They needed, they needed a guy that could step up and, you know, just be helpful for Damian Lillard. 
And you get a guy like Derek Jones, like I said, who can be vital coming off the bench, explosive, real good defender. Rob Covington, like I said, coming off for three-pointers. Man, it is good to be a Portland Trailblazers fan. It is really good. Uh, a team that I think did a terrible job is Houston. Like, they, they've lost a, a lot of good players in, in free agency, and they're not making up for it. I mean, Christian Wood, you signed Christian Wood. Nobody knows who Christian Wood is, and, and there's a reason for it. He signed a three-year, $41 million deal with that. Just, just so they can get somebody on the books. So they're taking a huge hit with Daryl Morey gone. So I, I think Houston's in for a rude awakening this year. Now they got James Harden, they got Russell Westbrook. But when you, you, you lose a guy like Covington, Covington does so much for you. And P.J. Tucker. Well, especially when they go to that small lineup and he's basically playing your four or five. Exactly. You know, it's him and P.J. Tucker. Like, now all of a sudden you have an identity and you're playing all small and then you ship out Covington. It's just like, and you don't really replace him. It's like, we'll see what Houston does. Maybe they can, you know, smooth over and just basically get the band back together again and just try Russ and try Harden and see what happens. Um, but, yeah, not not to cut you off, but, yeah, I, I, I think Houston, there's a bunch of stuff left to do, whether they run it back or whether they try and, and trade everybody. Right, and, okay, so if I'm talking about another team that I think did well in the West, I, I honestly love what OKC did. Sam Presti just keeps gathering picks. If you're not going to win now, which I think it's around like 17 to 20 picks within the next four, like three seasons. Um, so I think he's done well gathering assets. And it, it's the Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge way of building a team is you gather assets and utilize assets and try to get you know good players out of it. So let's see what they can do. I mean, he got Kelly Oubre from Phoenix for Chris Paul and he flipped Kelly Oubre to Golden State. And it just kind of, it's an evolution. It's an evolving wheel when it comes to Sam Presti and the OKC Thunder. So, um, and if you're going to get rid of Chris Paul, you're going to get rid of Daniil Gallinari in free agency. Money comes off the books. They're they're in they're in for uh, you know a tough year, but it's a rebuilding block, and it's something that they at least have moving forward. And that's picks. They need picks, so why not? So. Yeah, so let's um, so let's go to the well, let's go to the East. Um, I think a team that spent a lot of money but didn't do too much um, is Detroit. Um, I think they're basically trying to get as many pieces around Blake as possible. Now, Jeremy Grant and, and Blake Griffin, okay, sure, give it a shot. Um, but again. You know, not a ton of guys want to go to Detroit, so I completely understand kind of where they're coming from on that. Um, it seems. Giff, how, how many centers do they sign? Like three. Jahil Okafor, okay, who has been probably irrelevant. I, I, I'd even know what team he played for last. If I had to guess, it would be Portland. Um, but they, they also, I forget the other, you know, they got, um, you know, Jeremy Grant, obviously, but then they got another big. I, I forget which big it was, but. They, they they were just going for bigs the entire free agent market. And Giff, I love what Philly did. If we're talking about a team that did well, it's getting a guy like Seth Curry from a trade, Danny Green, 
Terrence Ferguson from OKC. They got Dwight Howard. Um, they got Tyrese Maxey in the draft. They got rid of Josh Richardson. Um, and, and that, you know, does that put you over the top? That's Daryl Morey. That's what happens when you upgrade from Daryl Morey um, from Elton Brand, who's a big show. That's basically what happened with that. I, I, I vehemently like that team a lot more than before the last week even happened. Just with all the pieces and just with everything that's there, I think Philly got a lot better. Um, I think a team that lost for me is Milwaukee, and here's why. You don't get the you don't get the the Janovic deal that falls through. He ends up going to Atlanta unless you sign him. Now you have Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Pat Connington and uh, is that going to be? An, does that put you over the top? I don't think that they're better than Miami right now. What about Brooklyn? I'd probably take them over Brooklyn just out of spite because I don't like Kyrie. Um, I'd probably take them over Brooklyn. I don't... Do I take them? People can't sleep on Brooklyn, man. Brooklyn, they are. Oh, no. Brooklyn's going to come out swinging. I mean, 100%. They're going to be really good. So I honestly don't think that... And again, another wild prediction. I don't think Milwaukee ends up with the top seed in the East next year. I don't. I think they've lost too much. I think they have given up too much. Um, the fact that they gave up George Hill, I like George Hill on that team. But, again, they, they had to try and um, get better on that front. But, yeah, I think I think Wesley Matthews was really good there. They had to give him up. I just think that they're trying to, to, to swing for fences uh, to, to, to try to keep Giannis, but I don't think they're the right basketball decisions to keep Giannis. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a great point. And this this free agency was massive for Milwaukee. And I'm sorry, that they, they did fall short. And um, I think it was Bogdanovich, that trade, I, I don't think Milwaukee understood that you have to wait until free agency starts to communicate exciting trades. And mainly because Bogdan has to decide if he wants to sign with Milwaukee or not. So it was kind of stupidity on Milwaukee's standpoint, and I think they have a new GM, but um, it, at least it sounds like it because the guy didn't know what he was doing because you have to wait until, you know, Bogdan is a restricted free agent. So you have to wait, and you also have to communicate with the Kings and, you know, give them an offer that, that is, like, appealing. You know, I, I feel like they didn't offer that much for him, and I don't know the trade specifics, but... When you talk about Milwaukee without Giannis and Chris Middleton, I mean it's 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 nothing good. It's DiVincenzo, it's Eric Bledsoe. Like, come on, that's not going to get you Bogdanovich. So, I I think uh, I I agree with you fully. I think Milwaukee fell short, and a team that just keeps falling short every offseason gift, and I'm laughing because it's it's just so funny and comic relief is the Knicks. It's like an abusive relationship. You know, you knew what it was at one point, but it's never been that good ever since. It hasn't been the Mecca for 20 years. Like, you guys stink. How much money do you have to spend? How much money do they have to spend and they can't get a guy? <laughs> they can't get a guy to go in. They can't. Like, you can't even get, like, a guy like Bogdanovich. Like, you can't even go to, like, match, I mean, uh, the King's offer. You can. And they're just not going for it. And I I'm sorry, if you live in New York and you're a Knicks fan... Just switch over to Brooklyn. 
right? I mean, every single year you wait and you wait and you wait and, and you feel like, okay, you know, we got the money, we got a pick, we got a top 10 pick, we're going to be good, we're going to be set. They fall short every single time, man. They fall short every single time. And the New York Knicks, I'm, I have a lot of friends that are from New York and the Knicks fans. I, I don't feel sorry for them because you have the full capability of switching over to the team that's a, right across town and is in a better arena. They got better players. I think Kevin Durant said it perfectly. He was going to go, he was looking at New York uh, for, for free agency before talking to Kyrie. And he was like, the Knicks are not the Mecca anymore. Can we, can we get over that? And it, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. So I, I just think the Knicks are in for a bad 10 years, decade, as long as James Dolan's still there. Um, great, great getting uh, Leon Rose, but I mean, they just, it, they haven't showed it. They haven't showed it this free agency. You could have gone out and got Gordon Hayward and threw money at him and spend that $120 million, but Maybe it's a smarter route because he's probably not worth it, but I, I digress. I, I think it's I think it's stupid um, that the Knicks just didn't utilize their money correctly. I, I I forget who was their best free agent signing. I can't even name it because I don't even think they they did something well in, in this free agency. <laughs> they didn't do anything well. That's 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 pretty much them in a nutshell. Yeah, and it's every single year. So again. I don't feel for you Knicks fans. Just you know, start looking at Brooklyn as a team that you're looking forward to. Oh wait, yes, Austin Rivers is a player that comes to my mind that signed with the Knicks. I apologize, Austin Rivers. Congratulations. Good luck with that. Oh my goodness. Enough of the Knicks talk. Um, yeah, they stink. But yeah, Philly hardcore did such a great job. Portland. I I, I feel like a lot of teams did get better. But again, we go Atlanta too, Atlanta, Atlanta too. You're right, Giff. So uh, a lot of teams are, you know, begging for chips, trade, trade pieces moving forward and salary relief to make a run at like Giannis Antetokounmpo and Dallas. Keep an eye on Dallas. Dallas hasn't made a lot of, a lot of uh, moves and I think they're loading up. They're suspiciously quiet, like super suspiciously quiet. Yeah, but I think that I think they're loading up to get Giannis. To, to make a run at him. So, um, oh, Giannis and Doncic, stop it. Watch out. Watch out. And Christoph Porzingis when he's healthy. So, we got Thanksgiving week. If, uh, what's your plans? What do you got? Socially distancing Turkey Day, my man. No. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think I'm just going to see family. Just like keep it small. Um, not any of the big crowds or anything like that. Um, look, 2020 has sucked gonads but everybody just again just to kind of transition from the top of the show realize how lucky we are we all have our health be safe just enjoy what you have and don't threaten murder anybody on twitter words of wisdom from gif um gif all i want for christmas is a vaccination we 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 gotta ultimately get back to where we were and um, yeah, I wish everyone out there a great, happy Thanksgiving. And I love our outro music, so please enjoy it. And uh, tune in next week as we will keep on discussing whatever is going on in the sports world. It probably will be a dull week for sports gift, but um, I think ultimately it will you know pick up as we go. And I mean, we got the NBA season in a month, so um, 
You know, with that being said, I wish you and your loved ones a happy Thanksgiving and um, hope you enjoy it. Deuces. I love turkey on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.